everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, we are tackling an issue that uh, Annie and I had a really good time talking through. We have a friend who is a practice owner, and they are struggling with their practice manager having some disagreements with uh, some of the doctors over some of the decisions that they're making on the floor. There are good points on both sides of this situation and argument, and this practice owner needs help figuring out how to keep the peace. This was a fun one. Let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. Before you accuse me, take a look at yourself, Goss. <laughs> oh, man. How's it going, Andy Rourke? Oh, it's it's good. It's good. I took my daughter to a 5K fun run huh? on Saturday, and um, our friend Tyler Grogan yes. uh, had had signed us up to go, and and so I was like, okay, you know, Tyler's going, and some of the other people in the Uncharted team were going, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go as well, and I was going to take Hannah, who's my 11-year-old, and it would be sort of her first cross-country. She's, ne- she's never ran more than maybe two miles, I think, uh, something like that. So my expectation was we were going to get there, and we were just going to kind of run, walk, and it was about being together, you know, so we would do that. And so we go to this 5K, and it's put on by the local animal shelter. And so there are dogs everywhere, Uh because they were like, bring your dogs. And I'm like, you know... I like dogs. I love dogs. I, you know, I, I love dogs. I love pet owners. This will be fun. This will be great. And I got there and I was like, this is a terrible idea. Like, it's a terrible idea to bring together literally hundreds of people with the objective of running three, right. 3.2 miles and then be like, bring your dogs. And so... So there we are, and they're like, "Thank God they didn't have a starting line." But a couple, a couple of things came into my mind. Right, every time I go to a place where there's people and dogs, I am reminded of how pet owners tell themselves stories about their dogs mm-hmm. and just hold on to those stories despite all evidence. Sure, you know, like there was the <laughs> there was the dog having a full on panic attack. And Uh people are like, look at him. He loves coming to things like this. And I'm like, that dog, his eyes, you know, (laughs) eyes bulging out of head, just trembling, full body shakes, like Uh. nails dug into the ground. And and they're like, he's such a social dog. And I'm like, he's too scared to move. What are you doing? (laughs) Before they started, they were like, if you plan to run fast, come to this end of the group. And all these people just moved down there with like their chihuahuas on leashes and I'm like what this lady with an English bulldog and so they, they all like they all and I'm just like again the stories that they tell themselves about their pets is amazing to me and so anyway so they, they all do it and finally they're like they don't have a starting gun thank god but they're like ready set go and hundreds of people take off running at the same at the same time and as you can imagine it's pandemonium and there's this woman with this 
big pit bull running up out of ahead of me and Hannah. And the pit bull is morbidly obese. Like it's a BCS 11 of nine. <laughs> and and then it runs about 100 yards and then stop, it's like, I'm done, and just sits down. And the lady runs right into it. She goes down oh, no. and the people behind her go down. And then all the dogs around them are like, what are you guys doing? You know, and they come pulling over and now these leashes are pulled out like trip oh, wires, you know, no. and there's there's like retractable leashes everywhere. Yes, it's all it's everything that's completely horrible that you can imagine. It all happened. And, and I was like, Hannah, we're going over. And I just I just I, we leapt over, did not stop to help. Just so you know, I'm kind of like, lady, you know know thyself know thy dog and, and you did it and so again she was in the she was in the middle of hundreds of other people like and again it's a race i told myself that stopping stopping would have caused more problems so you were than, also telling yourself stories in your head oh uh, exactly right survival stories stephanie goss like stories about someone about, else is gonna help that woman it's fine I, she was she was shielded by the dog like really I'm sure there's like the another dog. vet in the crowd who could have uh, made sure the dog was I'm okay. sorry, she didn't need a vet and the pit bull was fine because she was big and he just laid down like he was and no one stepped on no one stepping on that dog i'll tell you that that lady is a fin for herself but that dog was fine oh my god we, uh, we were, we got, we got like, we got like two miles into the run, yeah. and there's this lady sitting on a bench, and she's holding this chihuahua, and he's a hundred percent asleep, just like nose under her chin. You know what I mean? Like she's holding him like a baby, and his legs are up in the air, and we go jogging by, and my daughter and I look at her, and she looks at us, and she goes, "He's done. He's, he's, he's done." I'm like, okay, I love it. But he's just—he's done. That's what I wanted to be. Like two miles into that, I was like, I just—I would like to lay down and just just be done. But there we were. So anyway, it was uh, again. I, I loved it. Wonderful time with my daughter. I still love pet owners. I still love pets. And just not a hundred percent bought into hundreds of pet owners and pets together doing a thing at the same time. Oh, that's fantastic. But it's for charity. <laughs> yeah, I oh, felt cause. very good about supporting. <laughs> I felt very good about supporting. And it really was fun. Oh, and gosh. So that Tyler's, was uh, Tyler's take on the, <laughs> the event was radically different was than yours. <laughs> oh, well, she, she just walked. I was going to say, Tyler's, there was, I don't know that there was ever running in the the idea, although I could see Tyler being a a runner, but it was like, we'll do this fun thing as a together as a team. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk and just meet, make our way through and it'll be bonding. And And I showed up with my itty bitty booty shorts. I'm taking off. Yeah. I showed up like. Tan lines done. out there so that everybody could see like little tiny running shorts. I was doing like the like the calf the the quad stretch where I'm like holding my ankle, you know, and like showing her ankle and just and Tyler's like she she was wearing like yoga pants uh-huh. and a sweatshirt. Uh-huh. Like, and I saw the picture and Steph's got her coffee in her hand and yeah. I'm like, there was never was like, the intention. I was like, are you guys going to put your coffees down before the race starts? And they just both, both just looked at me like I was so dumb. Oh, it's fantastic. We're wired a little bit differently, Tyler and I. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, man. Well, you know, glad to know that we haven't even started this episode and we're off the rails. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you ask how I was doing. That's how I'm doing. How are you fair. doing? Uh, fair. I, I am I am excited. Um, I am excited about this episode because when I read this episode, I was like, did I write this in our ideas database and forget that I... <laughs> Forget that I wrote it because it is 100% a situation uh, that I I had in my practice. And um, I I did not. It came from someone else. But I think this is going to be one of those episodes that people are like, hmm, uh, I think they might be talking about my my practice. So uh, it came to us from a a practice owner who was struggling because they have uh, someone on their leadership team who is uh, fighting with. Uh, some of the doctors. And so uh, they unpacked what fighting means and it was a really good unpacking. Uh, but they they kind of framed it with like, help, help. I need help figuring out how to keep the peace on my team. So uh, there is some disagreements when it comes to the quality of medicine that is being practiced. And so this practice owner was like, look, I set the standards for my practice and I trained my manager to uphold the standards that I that I decided on fair and now the practice has grown and there's multiple doctors on the team so it's grown from a small practice to a bigger practice and so they were like when an associate doctor wants to do something differently than kind of our standard uh this member of the leadership team and and one of the managers it uh has somewhat of a spicy approach to to disagreeing uh with the other doctors and this practice owner was like look i i get it because on one hand i appreciate and want them to do their job and i want them to enforce our standards of care i want them to enforce the protocols like that's what i've asked them to do and on the other hand they didn't go to vet school the doctors went to vet school and the doctors are making decisions in real time. And I need to figure out a way to make this not be a spicy conflict when it, when it arises and figure out how to, how to manage the situation when a non-DVM leader in the practice disagrees with one of the, or more of the doctors on the medicine side. And they were like, it's a really fine line. I have no idea where to start. Please, please help. Um, And I just thought that this one was a fantastic one. It's one, it's one that we haven't talked about before. And like I said, I, my mind immediately went to the treatment room and to this this situation that that happened in my practice. Um, and I was just like, I could have I could have written this. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about this one. I like this one a lot. this is this is one of those this is one of those fun balancing different people type problems that I really enjoy. So yeah, this is good. All right, cool. Well, let's start with some headspace just to just to get into this a little bit. The first thing I'm going to say in headspace is this. This is a classic example of what we're fighting about is not what we're fighting about. Like, absolutely. There is so much baggage here. The first challenge here is to get everyone to understand what we're actually talking about, because otherwise you they will they will not. And so we've talked a lot about this. I tell a story sometime about um, forgetting to uh, get a babysitter when I had told my wife I was going to take her out on a date. And uh, <laughs> and my oldest daughter was like uh, 11 and my youngest daughter was eight. And she was like, where is, you know, the, the night came and we were getting ready to uh, getting ready to go like in, in an hour or two. Right. And she was like, who's the babysitter? And I was like, um, 
we we don't need a we don't need a babysitter. And she was like, uh, "Yeah, we do." Uh, and I was like, "No, nope. we don't." Uh, Jacqueline is old enough to watch her and Hannah, and we can go. And Allison was like, "No, she's not." And I was like, "Um, pretty sure she is." And I'll Google it and see what. <laughs> I'll see Shut what up. the legal. Uh, well, there's legality here. There's a legal precedent, and I am going to investigate it and see what it is. And so I Googled it, and 11 years old in the state of South Carolina is the answer. And so clearly I won the argument, and then we both just agreed that I was right, and we went on a lovely date. Uh, that's not what happened. Um, it did not, it was not, that did not finish the argument the way that I had hoped. Um, it escalated, if anything. Ultimately, this is an example of the fight is not about the fight. Uh-huh. The fight the fight was not about how old the children need to be in order to be left alone. <laughs> the fight was about Andy didn't get a babysitter, right. even though he said he was going to take his wife on a date, and now this is a thing, right. and he really dropped the ball. And he hasn't apologized for dropping the ball. He has made excuses. <laughs> And so that's an argument that's not really about the argument. The same thing is here, too. When you go to the doctor and say you're not upholding the standard of care, you're saying a lot of things. You're saying you don't know. You did not take acceptable care of the patient. You know, you possibly don't know what you're doing. You're not uh, worthy of being here based on this result people get real defensive about those things really really fast there's a lot of stuff about identities self-worth your medical knowledge your values you know are you doing a good enough job you know are you are you walking your talk all of those sorts of things uh, there's an ethical component you're doing something unethical you were negligent when you say you didn't meet the standard of care what i hear is you were negligent in your treatment of the patient. And that's not what the person said. But boy, you better believe all of those things, depending on the individual you're talking to, they come right to the top of mind. And so the first thing we've got to do is know that when you go to the doctor and you confront them this way, if you walk right up to them and say, in this case, you did this, you're going to get a lot of strings attached to the response you get back. Yes. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> to your point, when you were telling us the story at the beginning of the episode, right? It's about the stories that we tell ourselves in our in our head, and I think that's like from from a headspace perspective. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's 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 never the conversation or the argument that's about the thing. It's always about it's always about something else. And the question is, is it about something else on both people's parts, on one person's part? On, you know, like you have to you have to figure all of that, all of that out. And so I think from a headspace perspective um, for for me, I think part of it is about where kind of where we always start, which is, part, you know, part of the, the safe talking about having a safe conversation. And when I think about looking at at this one of the questions that i try and ask myself as like putting myself in this practice owner's shoes one of the things that i would hope that i would do would be to ask my manager like 
what else could this be about? Like what could what could the vet have? Are there things you think that the vet could have been thinking about to help assume good intent, right? Because there, there are things on both sides. The vets are thinking about other things. They, they are weighing in things that the manager may or may not know about. And to the, to the practice owner's point, they went to, they went to vet school. They went to med, they have a medical degree, right? That proves them perfectly competent to make those decisions. And there is reasoning there and getting curious about what the, what that reasoning is and why it happened is really, I think, important to assuming good intent. And on the flip side, getting curious about why the manager is asking questions is also important because to this practice owner's point, like the manager's job is to care about the decisions that the doctor is making because they are supposed to be thinking about things like patient safety and client experience and, you know, uh, the impact to the practice and staff retention and staff satisfaction and all of those things. So they have a vested interest as well. And when you have two parties that are both potentially telling them stories in themselves stories in their heads, I think where you have to start is with that assuming good intent and and asking yourself part of, am I safe to have this conversation for me and problem solving this? And I know we're not to actions yet, but is to ask yourself like, what else could this mean? Why else, why might, why might they have made this decision? ahead of the conversation it's also one of the action steps that i'm gonna like gonna encourage to the manager to ask in the moment but teach them a healthy way to do it but it's important for them to ask themselves that question of like why else could they have made that decision that is exactly the the approach whenever you have these conversations that are not about the conversation, right? Whenever you have, you have these emotionally loaded things, I would say the little two-pack combo that I would put front and center in headspace is exactly what you said. Um, it's uh, assume, assume good intent, first of all. If you go in and say, this person failed or you didn't do what you're supposed to do, this this thing is already going to like, it's already going to go sideways. Like, it's all, like right off the bat, it, this thing is already, already going to go bad just count on it um, assume assume good intent assume the person was acting with noble intentions and then the second part is uh, seek first to understand right like go I'm assuming this person had a good reason for doing what they did I want to understand what it is so I can understand how it fits into the context of our medical standards do we need to make changes to our medical standards do we need to uh, you know yeah do we need to make changes to our medical standards or how we talk about them so that in these cases this is something that is fits into our standards um, so that the, so that and, and you know we can get into it a second we're gonna start getting into like what are the consequences here you know um, um, what we want to make sure that the team understands what's going on. We want to make sure that the team is able to support you, but they can't support you if they don't understand what's happening. So all of those are very productive ways to unpack these sorts of things. But I think I think there's two pieces here. Um, I, I think number one is when you start to unpack what happened, you you better get into a good, healthy, curious, positive headspace. And then number two is I would say unpack it. And then you need to put all of this aside and you need to talk about what you're going to do in the future. And then you need to have a positive, productive conversation about where are we going in the future? If this turns into the manager arguing with the doctor about a case that happened yesterday, the manager's going to lose and they should lose because they're not a doctor. They're like that, that's, that's it. Um, 
anyway, I'd say they should lose. I, I, again, you, but you get my point. If it really does come down to two people have a clear disagreement about a case, you know, the person who's a professional veterinarian uh, is probably should probably have a stronger leg to stand on. Well, and and I I would say. I would disagree with that slightly in the sense that I think there have been times where I have had two doctors who disagree on what to do with a case, right? They're, they're both, they're both educated. They both have the veterinary degrees and they have different uh, opinions or different perspectives. And so I think it's about finding that middle ground to your point about getting curious where you're seeking to understand why are you doing the thing to figure out how are you going to be able to move forward in the future. It's not about making someone feel right or wrong or like, you know, you know less than than they do, because I'll tell you, like, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of managers who know a whole lot of things and who will bring about medical concerns that that others on the teams may not have brought up. So I think there's there's validity there and it's it's hard. I get fired up and on my soapbox as as a manager who didn't originally come from the medicine side of things like when people are like, well you're just a manager, you don't you don't know anything. And not that's what you said, because that's not how I took it at all. No, no, I I didn't want to I didn't want to bring that across. I might need to restate that. But no no no. That's not how I took it at all how I took it at all. And I think it's important to to recognize that like we're all telling ourselves some degree of story and filtering it through the lens of our own experience. And so it doesn't matter whether you went to vet school, didn't go to vet school, because you can have two people who even went to the same vet school who have radically different perspectives on how to treat the same case. And so I think it's about that finding that uh, I'm so glad that you said the seek first to understand because a huge part of that headspace is like, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Are we doing it simply because as the business owner, I said, we need to have protocols. These are the protocols I set up and you're enforcing them. Wonderful. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate you doing your job fantastically well. And protocols change. Medicine changes. Medicine is radically different now than it was 20 years ago when I started, right? We're using different drugs. We're using them in di- we're using the same drugs in radically different ways. Things change and things have to be flexible. And so I think getting curious on all three sides of this, because there really are at least three sides here. And you brought up a fourth when you talk about the, the rest of the team, like getting curious and asking those questions about why, why? tell me more, you know, is really going to help us get to the heart of how do we, how do we tackle this and how do we, how do we fix it? And it being future facing is so important. And I'm really glad that you said that. Well, I, I guess, and just to sort of give some color to this, because as I say, sort of the veterinarian should have the stronger leg to stand on. What, what I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean, Hey, if this person's a vet, then they're right. And the other person is wrong. And that's all there is to it. I, I don't buy into that vet worship stuff. And, and you know that I, I think, I think when I say that I still stand by, I still stand by that as a general rule. And, and it's a lot of it is because one, yes, there's, there's a difference in, 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 medical training but the bigger part for me is the veterinarian is the one who is in the room and yes they're a human being and they're making decisions in the moment on the fly and i do i feel like whenever possible whenever possible we need to support the person who was in the room 
you know, making decisions in the moment and who could actually talk to the client and read the situation, see what's going on. I'm always a bit wary of, and this is sort of where my point comes from. I'm always a bit wary of someone picking up the medical record two days later and saying, you clearly did this wrong and going in there. I, I think that that's a recipe for disaster. And so I didn't want to, I don't want to overstate that or make it about positions. This person's in the right and this person is not. I just think that when we start to get the benefit of the doubt, I, I, I'm a big fan of giving a benefit of doubt to the person who was there, who was looking the pet on the eye, who was looking at the pet, and who was trying their best, and who was working with the information that they had at the moment, as opposed to standing back and saying, well, clearly we have it written down that this is how we do these cases. Uh, you know, So that, that was sort of the, the, the point that I was going to try to trying to make there for sure for sure well that feels like armchair quarterbacking right it's like yeah, it's like exactly. you're, you're you're being asked to make a make a call or make a judgment when you're you weren't in in the middle of things and so um you know i think it's i think there there's val- validity there and I, like i certainly felt that and like i said in the beginning this this was the situation like i could have written this and i struggled because um to your point i wasn't in the room but my manager my my leader was she was the tech on the case with the doctor and so now i have two people with that i have that situation of two people with medical backgrounds with experience who have radically different takes on how to manage the thing and now i wasn't in the room but i'm being asked to make judgment calls on how do we move this forward and holy holy hell it's hard (laughs) it's so hard And, and i have I have a hundred percent seen those things where two people were a, a doctor and technician were on the same case, and they had very different opinions about how it went. And it's it's very hard. And if you're the manager who gets brought into that, and you weren't there, and you didn't see what was happening, it's just boy, it's it's a nightmare case. It's a, it's a hard case. You know, I I do want to point out at this point, you know, this is a uh, a problem of success in a lot of ways, which means you get problems like this when people care a lot about what they're doing and they care about doing a good job. And so these are not awful problems to have in that they only come around because because you have people who are really engaged and who really care. And so I do think that that's a good thing. And I think that's one of the most powerful tools for when we get into action steps, because leveraging that and acknowledging how much they care will on on all sides will go a tremendous way towards making this a future facing conversation and dropping that anxiety level over, hey, we've got to talk about the, you know, the disagreement. Yeah, I I completely agree. I guess my last part in headspace is I would 100 percent make sure that this conversation is not framed as right and wrong. The This person, the technician is right and the doctor's wrong or the doctor's right and the manager's wrong. Um, I, I would not I would not frame it that way. I don't think that's productive. I think it leads to hurt feelings. There is no arbiter of medical care in the sky who says, yes, this was the optimal way to proceed. You know, that's not... That's not even possible. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I've seen, I've seen cases where the doctor practiced the pinnacle, highest premium standard of care, and the pet owner left and got really angry when they got home because they were like, I couldn't afford this, and you did all of these things, and now I'm not coming back because you, I can't afford you guys anymore, and blah blah blah. And and again, medically speaking, the doctor did the best thing. 
yet there's a client who's angry on the phone saying, how dare you, how dare you do all of these things when I just wanted my pet taken care of at this, in this basic, simple way. And you go, I, I don't, I don't know what's right. If you work the case up to the point that the pet owner never comes back again, was that optimal? I, I don't, I doubt it, but I don't know. You know what I mean? And so anyway, that's why I just, I try to throw those shades of gray in there, not to irritate anybody about, you know, what the standard of care should be, but just to say, there's not a right answer. There's only guidelines. There's only sort of our values and, and sort of how we position ourselves. There's only consistency and consistency is really important. And so, you know, when we start to get into action steps, we're going to start to talk about what is what matters and what's important. But I do think that, you know, I guess we can put this as groundwork, you know, starting to have some agreements in our team about what our values are, about what we care about. Those things are really important for having these conversations. If you don't have sort of team values, core values, things like that, that, that say these are the things we care about, this is a really hard conversation to have. If we can come up with some things that we all agree on, um, about what's important in the way we treat each other, about the what's important in the way we treat the pet owners, then we can use those as touch points to start to make some standards. But if we don't have any conversations about what's important to us, what our identity as a team is, then it's really hard for us to make standards because the standards that you're interested in and the standard that I'm interested in they can be wildly different. And and we've seen that, you know, anybody who's been in vet medicine for very long has seen some practices where they just let the doctors completely run however they want. And you've got, you know, you've got one doctor uh, who may or may not be, you know, the senior doctor who's like, no, we're doing it. We're doing old school. And you've got new doctors who go, I, I can't look. I just can't, I can't look at that. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or be ageist or anything, but just give an example of a common one we see is people who practice medicine very, very differently. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen old school doctors who have kept up and, and done a lot of learning and they are amazing, much better doctors than I am. So it's not about, it's not about anything other like that. It's just, I use that as a classic example of doctors very, doing very different things in the same building. And it happens a lot. And boy, is it hard to get them onto the same page and they can get really defensive really fast. For sure. And I think I think your point is a great one. And like when you do have agreements about how you're going to how you're going to work, what your values are, how you're going to even like how you're going to talk to each other or manage through conflict, which is one of our action steps here coming up. But like even if you don't have that, your point about this is a problem of success, like they care, they both care. The doctor cares about the patient and is trying to do the best thing for the patient. And this this manager or managers or whoever is concerned about it cares about the patients as well. It's not less or they're caring about, maybe they are caring about different things, but they both care. And so starting there and being able to say, hey, I know we're, we're having this conversation because I know how deeply you both care about your work. And I want to use that to figure out how do we come to some agreement on how do we how do we you know de deal with this in the, in the future it's this using that works whether you have stuff formalized or not and it works whether you have the problem is with all doctors i had that exact conversation when my doctors all disagreed on how to manage a certain type of case and what kind of drugs we were going to carry and i was like look you guys all agree you're all really smart i am not going <laughs> to i don't have a degree 
in veterinary medicine, I'm not going to make the call here, but I need us to work together to figure out what is going to be our agreement between us because the team can't have it four different ways. Right. And so it's about how do we find that? How do we find that that common ground? And so I think that headspace of this is the problem of success is a really, really healthy one to help move into those action steps of talking about it. I also think to some degree it can be it can make the conversation easier when you have multiple points of view, because then you can clearly say, I'm not picking sides like there. You know, uh, we need to come together and find a path that that has us all doing the same thing. And so anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably where, where I'd be for Headspace. So it's just sort of summarize real quick. Remember, this is a, a problem that's not really they're not really talking about the problem. You have to be very careful here about people's emotions, self-worth, self-identity, values, things like that. So just we want to be really, really careful here. The, the combo to start off with is going to be assuming assume good intent and coach to assume good, good intent and then uh, seek first to understand is try to understand what, what's happening, what's going on. Remember to br- put your standards of care forward as a as a living document. Whatever your standard of care is today, that's not going to be your standard of care in 10 years. You're going to continue to evolve and change as we learn things. And so that also makes the standards of care a less scary, chiseled in stone thing. It's something that we can talk about. And and that's that's okay. Remember the end result that you want to try to get. The end result and this is important. The end result is not to make the doctor apologize or to take the manager down a peg. If that's what you're trying to do, you're off base. Um, the end result is to come to an understanding so that next time the case comes in, we have some agreement about how we're going to proceed as a team so everybody feels included and safe and on board and that's the end result that we're looking for and so if you pull the flaming raging sword of justice and you go seeking to figure out who is right and who is uh you know and who is out of line uh is it the doctor that is uh, you know that is wrong and negligent is it the manager that is overstepping her bounds <laughs> like that's not none of that's going to end well yeah that sort of way it ain't worth it just go in there and talk to everybody and figure out what's happening and what we're going to do next time. And the last thing I would say is remember just, you know, to lay down, why are we doing this? And that's going to be my first part in the action steps. Uh, why, why is this, why is this even important? And I think a lot of people, a lot of people fall into the idea of, well, this is a test and there are rules and you broke the rules or you didn't break the rules. And I go, who wants to play that game? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, this person was wrong, and I know the rules, and I'm going to show them they were wrong. I go, okay, that, if that makes you feel better, uh, you can do that, but you should really enjoy it because you're going to have weeks of pain in the neck trying to, you know, trying to get past this conversation and its fallout. For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break and then come back and talk about how do we, okay, how do we, how do we, Where do we go from here? How do we manage this? Hey, friends. I just wanted to talk for a quick second about the maths with you all, because I've been thinking a lot about the workshops. And normally, here's where we tell you what's coming up. And we've got some great stuff happening. So you're going to want to head to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out the upcoming calendar 
But I want to talk about maths because if you are not already an Uncharted member, you can attend any one of our workshops and pay $99 a piece. Most of them are just $99. You can do it as a one-off. Great and fine. However, that adds up really quick. And if you do the monthly workshop with us, and I've seen some of you there as repeat customers, which is amazing, but you could spend almost $1,200 over the course of the year doing workshops with us, or you could pay $6.99 and get a 12-month membership, which means you get all of the workshops that we do at no extra charge. You also get access to our amazing conversation in the community, our community members, and all of our community resources. And it is hopping over there. We've got conversation 24-7. We have got activities. We've got book club. We're writing our handbooks together in Handbook Helper Group this year. We are talking about Uh, development and uh, leadership growth, doing our development pathway this year. We are doing hallway conversations where we're talking about topics. These are uh, sessions that are community-led, community-driven. It is topics about things that are going on in your practice that you want to talk about with your peers. All of that is happening and it's all included for your $6.99 membership. So simple math. Do you pay almost $1,200 for the year or do you pay $6.99? If you're not currently a member, you should head over to the website and use this argument to convince your boss, hey boss, I need to be a part of this amazing community because Stephanie told me so and because she's telling you that you will save money. <laughs> Hopefully that works. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I couldn't I couldn't resist. I hope to see you at our upcoming workshops again and try forward slash events for everything that's coming. And now back to the podcast. So when we start to manage this action steps, this is this is a multi-part approach, right? This is not one where you roll in and swing for the fences. There's, I, I don't know, maybe other people are better than me. I, there's no way I walk into this with the idea of we're going to have a meeting and this will be over. Like that's, that's a fool's game. Like that's not going to happen. This is a series of meetings. This is a meeting with the manager and separately a meeting with the doctors or doctors and then it's going to be a meeting together and the reason is because i'm going to need to get both of these individuals into the right headspace to talk to each other and if i don't do some pre-work to set them up to have this conversation the whole thing's going straight in the ditch yes i would agree with that for sure okay for sure so let's do let's talk about the, the manager right so the manager is the one who's, who's looking at the record and and she says this is not up to our standard of care i have a, i have a problem with this i'm upset about it right seek first to understand same thing here what's important to you about the standard of care like what you, you're clearly you know like you're really in this, why why is this important i want you to tell me why it's important and they'll think to you that you're jerking them around and, and you're not um I need to understand why does this person care about the standard of care? Is it because um, they feel like it's important for them to know what's going on as the manager? Is it that um, they're worried about the perception of the staff of this happen? Is it they're worried about patient care? I don't know what's important to them about standard of care uh, until I ask them. And a lot of times we, we skip this step. We just start talking about the standard of care as if it is by itself important. The standard of care is just a guideline, but that guideline means things, but it means different things to different people. And it's important for different reasons to different people. And so the first thing, the first question for me is what's important about the standard of care? And I'm, I need to start to, to find that out. So do you agree with that as kind of an opening position? I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. So I, I want to talk then, and I want to start to put into the person's mind 
the idea. So we're talking about the standard of care and we're talking about this, why the standard of care is important. And then what I need to generally do is introduce the idea on standard of care. I need to introduce the idea to this person that standard of care is, is flexible mm-hmm. and it is highly context dependent. Meaning, um, now it's never okay to be negligent, right? We know that. However, um, it's never okay to be negligent, full stop, period. And there are different approaches that we take based on what we see in the exam room and also what the pet owner is going to allow us to do. We have all sent patients home at the end of the day that should have been hospitalized. They should have gone to the emergency clinic, but they weren't going to the emergency clinic. And we all see that. And so there's plenty of examples about uh, about standard of care. It's it's flexible, right? Like and and I would I would sort of say, you know, how do how do we know how do we know what's acceptable? How do we know what makes a good standard of care? And I always try to get vulnerable with people here and say, you know, I, I'm a doctor. I I do a podcast for a living, you know, where I talk to people about medicine all the time. And and I and I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly updating and things uh, that the inflow of data is absolutely unceasing. And then also, you know, spectrum of care data is really blowing up. We're starting to see a lot more coming out about more conservative uh, treatment options and and what are the outcomes with this and we didn't have that data before and so anyway I'll put forward you know when we start talking about things like that the the classic one for me was the Colorado State Parvo outpatient treatment and you know when I was getting trained in everything hospitalization of parvovirus patients was absolutely critical like that's it had to happen and lo and behold we end up getting this uh, this protocol out of Colorado State uh, that's an outpatient treatment protocol and and only when we see the numbers do people go oh wow this is this is a radically different than what I anticipated the outcomes would be and so inpatient parvo uh, treatment gives you about a 90% success rate and Colorado State's outpatient parvo treatment gives you 80% success rate so not the same you know i in 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 uh, you know hospitalizing inpatient does give you a higher out uh, a higher success rate however i don't think many of us would say oh the outpatient is unacceptable but we didn't used to know that that's that's fairly new and so anyway i i start to have some conversations about medicine changing and standards changing and it's all sort of figuring these things out i'm trying to get this person to recognize that the standard has some wiggle to it and there are some reasons that we move around it and it's not a perfect measure and so what i'm really trying to do is set them up in a position to give the other person grace well, and I I, th- I love that. And I think the the other thing as a as a leader, as a business owner and as a manager that might come out of that conversation is where are the gaps in learning and potential opportunities for learning with the team? And what I mean by that is if you're manager, if you ask the question like wh- how how do you know what's acceptable and what's not? And the answer is, well, you said that that's what the standard is. So that's what I expect everybody to do. That's an incredible opportunity to teach not only your manager, but also probably other members of your support team about what the why like that. And and that is a huge opportunity that is only going to get identified if you if you ask that that question so i i love i love starting there so well and then roll that 
roll that together with the why is a standard of care important? Like what what's important about it to you? And now you've really got something. And you can see me starting to kind of get the manager rocking just to where they're not going to be so rigid that uh, that it's right or wrong, do do or die. You know, depending on the person and kind of and kind of where they go, I would I would start with all of those things and get them to hopefully buy into the idea that, that this isn't as set in stone as we wish it was, right? Um, it's just not and, and and we we deserve to at least try to try to figure out what the other person was looking at and what what they were dealing with and then you know oftentimes if i can get them to empathize and i would love again all of these things are be priming this person to have another conversation and so I, I i want to then try to get them into to empathizing a bit with the doctor and maybe they don't need to uh maybe they're already empathizing but a lot of times just getting just getting that to just getting someone into that headspace makes all the difference in the world. It's like when your kid comes home and they've had an argument at school or somebody was mean to them and you say to them, well, how do you think that person was feeling? Or what what might have made them act that way? And it's it's a, it's an example like I'm trying to teach my kid empathy. I'm trying to get them to say, okay, I can understand how that person would have been mad. I They shouldn't have hit me, but I also shouldn't have called them Johnny big teeth, right? Um, like whatever, you know, um, I get it. And so, but, but, but yeah, I, I, I get yeah. it. I understand why that would make him mad. And again, it's, it's trying to get that. So the same questions I have start to have with the, with the manager and it's not, this is not a punitive conversation. It is a hundred percent an empathy conversation, but I'm going to try to get them to think about like, Hey, if you were a doctor and, and the staff was looking up to you and the manager came in and started challenging your medical decisions like how, how would how would you feel like what are what emotions do you think you would you would feel and this is just us talking getting ready to go talk to dr smith but you know like what do you think dr smith's emotions are and just get them to hear like well i'd be embarrassed or i and i would be i would feel like i'm not being supported or yeah totally those are all emotions dr smith has and again this is me talking somebody else into a healthy headspace to go have this conversation so anyway and then the last part too is i would start to talk about some consequences of you know what are what are the downsides of conflict like this that we want to try to mitigate so for example if these are things that are happening and the staff is aware of them i'm i'm worried because here i've got my doctors and i i want to build a workplace that's built on trust yeah i want my my techs to trust my doctors of I course want my doctors yeah. to trust my my techs i want everybody to trust trust our team manager and our manager to trust everybody on the team and so you know undermining the doctor credibility and unless we have a really 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 good reason to is generally a, a bad idea and i don't want to undermine the trust that the staff has in this doctor definitely not until we get to talk about what happened and and where are we you know what i mean and and again i can't change what happened yesterday uh we can only go forward and i feel like here at the at the end i should go back and, and put the statement in I, th I feel like i've tried to make this point but just to be totally clear i'm not talking about a doctor that's that's being negligent or doing you know awful awful things i'm i'm 100 talking here about a disagreement over standard of care that is well above negligence but not what our stated standard is for this hospital right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like uh, the uh, you know a common 
common example that I can think of is like when a the, so the standard of care for a diabetic patient is we're going to do a full glucose curve and an exam and like you have a set. This is what we're going to do and this is how frequently we're going to do it. And then the patient comes in for the exam. And to your point, the doctor takes in all of the information in the exam room. They take in the info from the owner and then they make a decision that deviates from that standard of care. Maybe it's doing, uh, you know, a mini curve instead of a full curve or maybe it's uh you know sending them them home to do something to do to do a curve at home versus doing it in the hospital but they didn't they didn't do an exam because they did an exam three days ago or last or last week and when they were here for an ear infection and so they were just like it's fine right but it's one of those things that's a that's a deviation that someone is like there's a reason why we say that we're going to do it this way and that is a hundred percent true it is also a hundred percent true that the doctor's job is to take all of that information and make decisions with it and so that's where you are that's that's why you're in this middle ground you are right and they are right and now i need to figure out a way for us to work together so that nobody feels like they were wrong here because you're both doing what you're supposed to be doing. And veterinary medicine is about the shades of gray. And there are always going to be times where the doctor says, I'm going to do this instead of this this time, or I'm going to make this decision. Or as a manager, I'm going to make this exception for customer service. Like we live in a world of gray. And so that's where, to your point, getting them to put their empathy shoes on and imagine, ask themselves a question, what else could this mean? What else could they have been thinking? Why else could they have made this decision? Um, Even if they can't get themselves to have empathy because I've been in situations where someone has been so fired up and so hacked off that if I asked them, you know, could you imagine how they could have been feeling, uh, you know, when you when you called them, you know, Johnny Big Teeth, like they're going to be yeah, like, screw that you, sticking now, right? Now like, that we're using it, that kid's Johnny Big Teeth right. forever. Uh, they <laughs> like they're like, no, I he couldn't have been feeling anything else except for my fist before I put it in his face. Right. Like that's. But there is still a reason that there is still a way to get them to feel the empathy. And so if that lever doesn't work, like getting them to ask the questions about what else could this be about? Because we live in we live in a world of gray in veterinary medicine. And there are like that is the job as a manager. That is also the job as a doctor is to make those game time decisions and it doesn't matter whether you're a practice owner working with a practice manager, whether you're an associate doctor working with a technician, we have to be able to lead the practice, whether we're leading for our patients in the moment in the exam room or we're leading the team in front of everybody at a team meeting. We have to be able to lead and do our jobs knowing that we trust each other as a team. And so we have to come to that place of common ground. And so your job as the like middle ground person is to figure out how to get them to find that common ground and acknowledge the fact that you're both doing your jobs. None, no one is wrong. And we still have to find that with the shades that talk through the shades of gray here. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I'll give you, I just had a recollection of, I got in trouble for this one time of uh, sort of a standard of care thing like this, where it was like, I had this, uh, I had this little miniature schnauzer and uh, it had a, a bad corneal ulcer. So it, one of its eyes, and I don't remember which eye it was, uh, and a bad corneal ulcer and and that thing was not getting better and I was wrestling with it and wrestling with it and and I had this and the lady was this wonderful sweet old lady 
and she and she, but I had her coming in like every five to seven days, and I was restaining it. And every time she came in, it was our our policy, the hospital, to charge a recheck exam, and to do it. And finally, after four or five times, I said, "All right, well, I'll see you back again." And she was like, "Doctor Rourke, I think you're so great. Are you going to charge me a hundred dollars again today for for this?" And I just I couldn't do it, you know. And I was like, "Oh," because it really at this point, like I knew exactly what I was looking for. The doc didn't need a full physical exam. Like I just needed to get that eye stained, and she was wonderful. And she said that to me, and I stopped charging for those exams because I was like, nope, she's gonna come in, I'm gonna stain her eye, we're gonna see what we're doing, we're gonna make adjustments, and she's and she's going to go. But she was so wonderful. And again, I understand that some people would be like, no, Andy, you can't do that. Like you needed, you should have charged her a hundred bucks every time. And I was like, you know, and and was it the fact that she was a sweet little old lady? Yeah, that probably had something <laughs> to do with it. Yeah, it probably did. You know, but. And again, but if you sat me down and they did, they like uh, the the management said something to me about, right. hey, you know, How it's our standard of care to do yeah. this. And I kind of said, I hear that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I told him, it's like, you know me. Yeah. like, and, it, and again, it was one of those things, too, where I said, you guys know me. You know that I take care of my cases and I work up my cases. And this is this is rare. This is this right. is rare. But right. in this case, I feel that this is warranted to be able to continue to give this person the care that they need for their pet and again it was it was a one-off it was not a common yeah. thing but uh but again that was a thing where they said no our standard of care is a recheck examination and a fluorescein stain and i was just like look at, come and look at this chart with me you know right. let's see what we're looking at here well you're anyway. you're talking about you're talking about the why right so you have to do that with the manager but then you also have to have the conversation with the doctor because you got to prime yes. that from pump too no, i agree so 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 then yeah so let's talk so we talk so all of that stuff is the things i'm trying to do to get the manager ready and empathetic and open to having the conversation and so then you got anything else you would say to the manager you're feeling pretty good no i feel good about that. that okay all right cool so then so then we go to the doctors right um the the big things that, that i want to talk about with the doctors is well, this is all much healthier if i can frame it as a forward-facing conversation of like hey guys Let's let's talk about let's talk about medical standards. You know, how do we want to set our medical standards? How do we want to get the team on board with these? Uh, it, it really a lot of it is a temperature check on where your doctors about medical standards. And if you have a team that generally agrees that medical standards are good and important, then we're going to start with the understanding that hey, medical standards are important. If we have a, a team of doctors that all want to do it their own way. And they don't agree about having consistency across the practice. Oh, that's a that's a uh, we're going to step backwards <laughs> and we're going to do it. It's going to it's just know that it's going to increase the timeline. It's going to take us to get to where we want to be. And that's OK. That's OK. Be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. It's the first thing we're going to have to do is get everybody to agree that it's important for us to be consistent. Yeah. And we're going to have to talk to them about why consistency is important. And we're going to have to sell them on the fact that their jobs are going to be easier uh, because the staff will be able to help them more when they know what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we're going to have to tell them we're going to do better medicine and there'll be better patient care and they'll make more money or whatever their motivators are. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to get them to buy into a consistent approach across the board. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the first part. And then after we get them to buy into the for the needs of a consistent approach, then we're going to have to have the conversation with them about how do we set these medical standards. And that's sort of the conversation that we're going to need to have. 
The the only other thing that I would say about the doctors is that I would probably try and do some poking to get them to maybe, especially if there had been disagree already like disagreement and like emotions. To, I would probably do some poking to try and get them to unpack the stories they might be telling themselves in their head when somebody who doesn't who is non medical staff is questioning. Uh, or even if it was a technician who has a who has a license is questioning a decision that they made like i would probably try one on one before we have the other conversation get them to poke at that because if i can get them to be vulnerable if i can get them to acknowledge to the other person hey when you say when you when you ask me the question like this this is the thoughts that went through my head i can help set the stage for the empathy to like pour out and for the other party to say, oh my gosh, I never, that was not what I meant. Like I never would have wanted you to feel that way. Right. So I would probably do some digging with them to try and unpack, like what are the stories that they might be telling themselves in their head? Yeah, I agree. If if there's a specific case where like this, this specific type of case where there's a disagreement, you know, I, and especially if it was based on something that happened last week, you know, I would do the same thing I would do the manager of, you know, assuming good intent, uh, you know, seeking seeking to understand what 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 happened with this case. Walk walk, walk me through this. Walk through, walk me through what's going on. Stuff stuff like that. And then uh, you know, I think it's good to talk to your doctors. Not at this time, right? Not about this, but at some point separately, talking to the doctors and saying, "Hey guys, we've got our medical standards. How do you all want to be a, made aware of questions?" about our medical standards sure. yeah, yeah. And, and I would say it to the group so that no one feels targeted out like hey Stephanie Goss if a person has a problem with your medicine how do you want to find out about right? that it's not that <laughs> it's, it's just hey guys the stats so now I present it as education is constant standards are always changing the staff wants to know what's going on if they have questions i want them to have they need a process uh, the ability to ask mm -hmm. and so i'm going to have them you know any of those questions will come up to to us how do you want me to ask you guys about that do you want to have you know uh, is this a phone call do you want me to to do it in our one-on-ones you know like how, how do you guys want to want to sort of hear about that and and the by talking to all the doctors at the same time, I'm setting the expectation that this is a thing that's probably going to happen mm -hmm. and it's going to happen to any of you. And it's not it's not bad. It's just they're going to have questions. And so that if and when it happens, it doesn't feel like this horrible, nightmare, scary scenario, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the last thing I would say is, great, guys, we're going to work together on on our standards and I want to keep those things up to date with you guys. What is the best way for us to educate the staff about what our standards are? How do we want to communicate these things so that people know what to expect and how to best support you guys? And those are the types of questions. Again, what I'm trying to do here is to get the doctor or the doctors in uh, into this headspace of, hey, medical standards are important and the staff cares about medical standards and they're going to have questions about medical standards. And we're a collaborative team who talks through things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. How do you want to participate in those things? How are we going to send a uh, good communication down the chain and how are we going to receive questions coming up the chain yep. because this is how we work together to make sure our hospital continues to function well and everybody feels good about what we're doing yeah and again all of this is happening before i put the manager and the doctor or the doctors together this is all priming the pump yep okay 
So we have meetings with them all separately, and then we've got to get them all on the same page. Yeah. So we got to get them all on the same page. So bringing it sort of together, I'm a big believer that it's probably best if we have medical concerns to have them go through a medical director, right? And if we don't have a medical director at all, I think that that may be a problem. It's very dicey for the manager to walk in and drop medical concerns on the doctors. I think that's really hard. Part of my part of my setup for this would be this is I, I think this is where you use your medical director is those complaints and concerns should come to the medical director. That way it's almost like a peer uh, reviewing the case and someone who's got some perspective of, of being in that situation and, and can sort of has a, 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 some letters behind their name to 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 carry weight of of bringing it in um you know oftentimes they may be able to add some context uh that that affects how this is presented but but i really do think working through your medical director is is going to be the 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 way to go and then going going into this uh, if we're going to have this group conversation say we're going to sit down with the doctors to talk about what our standard of care is going forward or making adjustments or things like that for god's sake start with commonality and i think you touched on this at the very beginning like what do we all believe in what are we all trying to accomplish what do we all think is important what are we doing here and i think if we lay down the the commonality what we're all in that we're all looking to do the best for the pets we're all looking to do a good job we're all looking to make sure that we make a positive impact in the world we're all looking to to feel like we're making an impact uh day to day on our patients us the support staff the pet owners we're all we're all doing this now let's talk about standards for all of us so that we can all feel good about this so start with commonality first and then start to lay out the spectrum of of what uh guidelines look like right there's a lot of flexibility in what we can do with guidelines and so i often like to frame the spectrum to show the absurd extremes because it makes people feel not so far away so for example like i would come in i would start to have this conversation i would say something like hey look we do not want to have a zero consistency practice wild west everybody's freestyling the patient experience the pet owner experience is radically different every time they come in right nobody knows what we're doing or why we're doing it the techs don't trust the doctors we are not going to have that kind of practice we're not we are also not going to have a practice where we dump patients out in the street without any treatment because their owners can't or wouldn't pay for this set standard of care that we chiseled into a piece of stone right like we're going to recognize that pet owners are out of our control the pets are out of our control and sometimes we have to adjust the situation to get the best care possible and to protect the relationships that we have so we're not dumping people out on the street if they're not willing to do everything we recommend. We're also not running a Wild West show where, you know, everybody's just shooting it out over each case about what we're going to do or what we're not going to do. Let's get, let's get somewhere in between those extremes where we all feel good. And when I, I like that style of setting down two ridiculous extremes and people go, well, obviously... Uh, we're not going to dump people on the street. But what I'm trying to do is to get the people who like rules and who like to see right and wrong. If I set that down just as a joking way, just like I just did it, it frames the issue to say there's not a right answer. There's a spectrum. And we're picking a space in that spectrum. And that takes a lot of the no subcutaneous fluids are in or they are out. It's like, no, nah, look, 
We're, we're trying to land here in the middle. So anyway, I can, I can lower the stakes a little bit and take away that right or wrong mentality. So I try to set it up that way. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the big thing. And the last thing is focus on the future, not the past. Let's talk about what we want to do next time. And some of this stuff is going to be picking a hill and making it beautiful. You know, I, t- I tell a story sometimes. Uh, when I started landscaping, I didn't know where to start because I was just overwhelmed. And my dad told me to pick a hill and make it beautiful and then pick another hill and make it beautiful. In a couple of years, you're going to have something great. And so a lot of times in management, you just just pick a hill. You're not going to oh, you're not going to create standards for your whole practice in a week. Just if there's a if there's a thing and there's an issue, let's let's work on that. We're going to work on nutrition recommendations and then we're going to work on pain control. And then we're going to work on dental standards and like, we're just going to, we're going to keep going. And people say, it's going to take years. And I'm going to say, you know what? You got years. Like this is going to be a lifelong process. And then here's the thing. (laughs) When you get done, it'll be time to start over again and remake, remake the first ones. (laughs) So that's that. That's all I got. Oh, that's where you choose to end. (laughs) That's it. That's all I got. All right. That was uh that was a that was a good one. <laughs> you gotta you gotta think I, I just ran. Like cause we were getting long. This episode's getting long. We gotta we gotta get out of here. But uh so I I, I talked us all the way out. I talked us you talked us out. No, it's that's that's great. That's great. I love it. Uh I think that's I think that's a wrap. Come in. All right. Thanks for doing this with me. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.